Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Good evening and thanks for joining me once again for another episode of the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm your host, Laura Bellotta, founder of singleinthecity.ca. What are attachment styles and what kind of an effect can they have on a relationship? Well, that's something that I'm hoping to help you guys understand tonight. My guest is someone who knows a thing or two about this. I'm joined by Flora Ong from Redo Love, a fellow dating and relationship coach who helps high-achieving individuals attain success in their love lives by releasing subconscious blocks. Tonight, we'll be exploring what attachment styles are and how you can find out what yours is, why we keep making the same mistakes over and over, and how you can use yours to find a happy relationship. Well, thank you so much for joining me tonight, Flora. Thank you for having me, Laura. I'm excited to be here. Yes, excited to have you. And Flora, I met on Clubhouse as well, another one of my Clubhouse friends. I'm doing the rounds, Flora. I'm doing the rounds. (laughs) I can imagine. <laughs> There's so many people there, you know, that like are are so interesting. So it's a great place actually. Um yeah. and to link up and find a guest, yeah. Yeah, so um let's get right into it and start by exploring exactly what attachment styles are. Uh, some of our listeners may not be too familiar with this concept. So can you give us a little insight into what they are? Yes, um, I'd love to. So uh, your attachment style is based on the emotional attunement that you received as a child. And um, depending on the type of emotional attunement that you received as a child, it dictates how you act as an adult, more, most specifically in your love relationships, because our love relationships mirror our parental relationships the most. Um, so, and I'll just say that emotional attunement refers to the idea that your parents helped you, um, your parents or your caretakers helped you to, uh, resolve your emotions or they helped you to support your emotions or they helped you to, um, uh, rectify when things were difficult rather than uh, telling you to suppress your emotions at any time or um, ignoring your emotions. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So, so how does our attachment style then from our youth come into play as adults? Uh, are you ready to get into the attachment styles? Because it might help to it might help as a reference point. Yeah. Okay. So so let's let's un- uncover uh, or let's go through the different attachment styles. First of all, there's I know that there's anxious. You want to start with that one? Okay. Sure. So um, for the anxious uh, for the anxious child, what happened was well, you know what I'll do, Laura. I'm going to start with secure because that that creates like the base that will go yeah. off. Go ahead. Right? Whatever. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So um, with a, a secure child, what the childhood looked like, right, is that the the kid got upset and the parent um, offered the kid some, uh, some help uh, with their emotion. They didn't tell the kid to be quiet, big girls don't cry, or little girls don't cry. They didn't ignore the kid's emotions. They didn't cry the kid to sleep, right? They attended to the kid as much as possible. And also allowing the kid to have some level of emotion that was healthy and normal and then help them to resolve that emotion. 
Um, when the child knows that there's a, that the parent is always there um, and will always come to them uh, when they're upset, the child develops what's called a secure base. And it's from that secure base that the child could then go explore into different rooms and not be worried like that mom isn't around because they know that as soon as they cry out, mom's going to come, right? Um, so those kids grow up to be secure. And what that looks like in adulthood is that they um, are comfortable with emotions. They're comfortable expressing emotions. They are comfortable communicating emotions. Um, they will tell you that they like you. They will be okay if you tell them that you don't like them, right? They won't fall apart and, uh, and die over something like that, right? They'll just like, buy me one of them. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> supposedly, supposedly 50 to 60 to even 70% of the population is secure, but I have, you know, it's That's very dying. rare that you actually meet someone, yeah, that's really secure. So, um, exactly. So basically, so they're the fortunate. Are, so basically, they're the fortunate ones who had parents who showed the correct amount of love for them. Essentially, what you're saying. Yeah, and, it, and it's it's not. I wouldn't say love because I think it's different. I think that uh, it, it you can love your kid and not know how to raise them correctly, right? So in the case of, for example, um, anxious, uh, anxious kids, right? So what happened with the anxious kid is that um, the, their emotional attunement was inconsistent. And so, for example, with me, I'm anxious, right? My primary attachment style is anxious. My parents were immigrants. They loved me. They had to work. So when they were around, it was very exciting. I got all the attention that I needed and I wanted, but then they were very often not around because they were working like from morning till night every day. Um, and so that inconsistency that some, sometimes it's in and sometimes it's out, as a child, you don't understand when, you don't understand time, right? So you don't understand when they're coming back. You just know that sometimes you have that attention, sometimes you don't. So it creates kind of like this desperation um, and this concern that they're always going to leave. And so you grow up with a, with a core wound of, a, uh, of abandonment, and you're always afraid that the person that you love is going to leave you. And so you act from that place as an adult, right? So as kids, we would throw tantrums when mommy was leaving. We would, um, you know, cry hysterically and sit by the door and wait for mommy to come home. Um, and as an adult, you know, we kind of develop uh, versions, coping mechanisms uh, that are similar um, to this. And so you might find yourself as an adult, like really being nervous when the person you're interested in isn't calling you back because you're sitting there in the back of your head, like in a deep place, wondering, maybe they will never call me again. Maybe they finally left me for good. Um, and so the anxious adult ruminates a lot, right? Is always like wondering what's going on with the other person. Um, their, their full, their full like sense of self-worth is validated by relationships. So mm -hmm. um, to some to some degree, they don't really have self-worth, right? If you're like purely anxious, um, you're very dependent on being in a relationship to be, feel fulfilled. Okay, so essentially what you're saying is if you have an anxious attachment style, 
you have a difficult time trusting, you're often suspicious, maybe scared of betrayal. Um, and I, I, I relate this. It's not so much. It's no. not so much trust because the. I'll, I'll explain the disorganized in a minute. But like, it's not so much trust. It's more of a fear that um, that that this person, you know, that the person that you love is going to leave. So it's not that you don't trust them per se, although that can play into it 100%. It's more that um, it's more that uh, you're you have a deeper fear that they're going to leave. So you you do things, you know, in hopes that they won't like a lot of anxious attachers become people pleasers, right? So the second they think somebody's like pulling away, they're like, Oh, well, what can I do to help you? Or let me call you or let me make life easier for you in one way or another so that you know, so that you need me, right? So Underneath, that's really this kind of, um, it's kind of, it's a coping mechanism and it's a manipulation in order to get the person to stay. All right. So if you're dating this type of person, um, mm-hmm. you may find that if you don't text them back within an hour or two, that they tend to take it personally. And then they believe that something is wrong and feel mm-hmm. annoyed or worried that they have offended you in some sort of way. Does that sound correct? 100%. Totally. Okay. What's the next attachment style? Next one is avoidant. Um, and so what happened with the avoidant child is that their um, they their parents potentially, again, maybe love them very much, probably love them very much, but um, maybe they didn't know how to deal with emotions at all, right? So they didn't have any capacity to teach their, their children to, to deal with emotions. And so the child grows up um, and they tend to be very dismissive of emotions in general, right? So uh, they grow up inherently understanding that people will not be there to help them, right? So in the deepest sense that um, their parents were not available to emotionally attune with them at all, they grow up thinking that they don't need other people, that they're perfectly self-sufficient without, without other people. And um, they tend to be the types that, you know, attached to things or passions or career um, rather than other people. So they find their validation through, through that rather than through other people like the anxious person does. Okay, so avoidance, fear, abandonment, and rejection, um, and then therefore they don't allow themselves to get too close. Oh, I know I've dated people like this. Um, And then they may really want a loving connection, but then they find themselves running from scenarios where, um, where they are asked to commit and then, you know, they become uncomfortable during intimacy and then tend to slip away when things get serious. Yeah, totally. And I believe there's one more attachment style. We're going to hear about that when we come back after the break as well. We're going to learn how to find out what our attachment style is. Don't go anywhere. back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bilotta with tonight's guest, Flora Ong, learning about attachment styles and how they can affect your relationships. Let's jump right back in. Okay, we were uncovering the different types of attachment styles, and I believe there is one more. 
What's the last one? The last one is uh, an attachment style called disorganized. And I've disorganized, never heard of that one. I'll be honest. So go ahead. Yeah. They don't um, always talk about it because supposedly it's the smallest portion of the population. It's, you know, no more than like, let's say 5%. But the disorganized attachment style comes from a situation that was very, very toxic, very chaotic from childhood. More than likely, there was some sort of abuse, like serious type of abuse um, or trauma that happened to the child. And so what happens as a result is that the child, um, and the reason I was kind of like careful about the word trust, uh, is that specifically the disorganized attachment style um, doesn't, uh, because they, the same people who they loved also hurt them in some way, um, they grow up with the greatest amount of trust issues. So um, not only does the disorganized kind of go between the um, anxious style and the avoidance style, they kind of uh, they kind of go through both things. They also um, very deeply do not trust any anybody that you know they're that they're in a love relationship with because again, the people that um, love them also hurt them. Now, can attachment styles form um, as an adult, possibly stemming from a bad relationship, or do they always form as children? So we all have a primary attachment style based on how we were raised. Um, when there are there are triggers, right? Like for example, with the anxious person, the trigger would be that somebody's trying, you know, somebody's leaving, or they perceive that somebody is about to abandon them. So when they get triggered, what happens is that, and the way that you really know your attachment style um, is that it, it lives in the nervous system. So the anxious person goes into their fight or flight mode and they immediately try to fix the situation and they're not comfortable and they can't relax until they're trying to fix the situation. Whereas um, the trigger with the avoidant is that they kind of shut down. So separate, uh, different for them actually is that they, when somebody's coming close to them, right, they completely and totally um, uh, shut down when somebody wants to get intimate with them when they're not ready. Um, and so I'm sorry, I went on a little bit of a tangent, but can it change in adulthood? Yes, depending on um, depending on certain, uh, you know, life's traumas that happen in adulthood or later on in life. Yes, uh, you know, your attachment style can shift and change based on, uh, you know, like divorce, let's say, or maybe, you know, some big life transition. Amazing. Okay, so what, how can we go about finding out what our attachment style is? How do we do that? So, people, some people don't even know what an attachment style is. So this is, <laughs> I, that's why I wanted to host this show today. I think that uh, we need to, you know, create awareness around this, more awareness anyway. So go ahead. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, quite frankly, I don't think that um, anybody should be in relationship without knowing their own attachment style and understanding the other attachment styles because it's so much insight into um into the relationship that, uh, you know, you'll never look at relationship the same again once you start to really get it. Um, on my Instagram link in bio, I have a quiz, or on my website, actually, um, love. there's an attachment style quiz. So you can either find that on my website, um, and that will give you 
an idea of what attachments value are, as well as on my Instagram link in bio, there's an attachment style quiz. Okay, and it, if somebody doesn't want to go to the quiz, is there like and I'm hoping they do, but is there any other way that they can find out what their attachment style is? I mean, if you read enough about it and then get an understanding of, uh, you know, how you were raised and how you react act and react in relationships, then you can kind of guess your own attachment style. Um, but, you know, in order to kind of get a better sense of that, you, you can take a quick quiz. Um, and there are others online, too, so you can just look up attachment style quiz. Okay. Now, so many of us get stuck on a type. Uh, and, you know, I'm to blame for this as well, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> we like the bad boy. Um, and we think that this is what we're supposed to want. And many of us end up in, in the same cycle where we keep going back to that toxic ex or keep trying to bring them back into our lives in some way. Now, I know that the law of attraction states that likes attract likes. And rarely do we attract what we want or what we deserve. Um, we attract what we already are, and, and not just with husbands and boyfriends and wives and girlfriends, but in every single relationship that we have. Is our attachment style the reason why we keep attracting the people that we do? So I love, love, love that you said that. It's uh, like such a perfect end to it because we attract, uh, as per the law of attraction, we attract where we are at. However, the caveat to that is we attract to what our subconscious believes we deserve. Um, so it's not such a, you know, you can look at somebody, right? And she, for example, could be like a very successful lawyer or a very successful actress and, you know, beautiful and slim and all the things that anybody would want and have all the money in the world, yet she's constantly in these really negative relationships uh, or these really toxic relationships. Why? Because her subconscious um, does not believe she deserves more than that because she has not resolved her childhood issues or her or her childhood trauma. Um, and so that's why we end up in these toxic relationships. And how can we go about turning that around so that we're, we, we don't end up being in these toxic relationships? Uh, well, there's, you know, start with the quiz, <laughs> start with identifying what your attachment style is. The reason that the attachment style and the subconscious are so related is because your attachment style, uh, your primary attachment style is born before your, is, uh, um, happen, is formed, excuse me, before you're like one years old. And um, you have, it lives in your subconscious. Um, and so if you're not aware of what's running the show, then how can you change that, right? Um, you know, you often find these women, right, and they're like, I don't know, you know, I just, I, I like what I like, and this is what happens, and it's always the same, and I don't know why this always happens to me, right? So if you're that type of person, man or woman, that is always asking, why does this always happen to me, you can be 100% sure that there's something going on in your subconscious that is, um, 
that is keeping you in that place. And it's keeping you there because, you know, per in some ways, this is like you brought up the law of attraction. So it's like a manifestation thing. Your subconscious is asking you essentially to resolve this thing. And so you keep bringing people in um, that, you know, that you can potentially or that you want to resolve with. But um, those are not going to be the people that are going to help you resolve. First, you need to resolve inside yourself with awareness, recognition, and, um, uh, you know, some deeper work, some deeper inner work. And then you will start to bring in, um, you know, you'll start to bring in the right type of people because what happens also is that once you start really doing the work, you start liking different things or different types. So can you give me an insight um, into what that deeper work, work looks like like what does it look like what do they uh, there's I, different I can't wrap my head around what that would look like so it'd be interesting to find so, out there's um there's different modalities right and all of the deeper work does refer to um uh, you know, essentially going back some one way or another into like your childhood traumas. Now, I want to very clearly say that when I use the word trauma, it doesn't necessarily mean something like huge and terrible, right? I had a like an idyllic childhood. Like there, I, I had lots of family, love everywhere. Um, and again, through no fault of my parents, it, it they just didn't have the time to spend with me that I needed as a kid. Um, and so I developed this attachment style now. And, you know, when I talk about healing this, this, these childhood traumas, again, it's not about these like huge, scary things that it might sound like to some people. Um, it's just, you know, a kind of having recognition around the fact that um, uh, certain needs of mine weren't met and I didn't learn to meet those needs um, for myself. And so now as an adult, you have to process and learn to meet those needs. Now, how do you do that? There's like tons of different modalities um, around it. But essentially what I would lead people to is the subconscious work, which is inner child work, uh, which is shadow work. Um, you can access that through meditation. You can add, you know, specific types of meditation, which I use in my practice. You can act that through things like um, uh, EMDR, the type of therapy that um, helps to, again, to kind of access the subconscious without you realizing it. And you would do that through a therapist, a very specific like EMDR therapist. Okay. So it's a type of, yeah, it's a type of therapy. NLP is another type of therapy that I believe um, works Can for you that. hypnotized? Uh, hypnot, hypnot, yes, hypnosis works um, as well. Because, again, you're trying to access something that you don't remember, right? Your you're trying to access, yeah, exactly, like a part of yourself that you don't remember at all. Um, so you're not going to do it with your thinking brain. Um, and, you know, that's another point I think that's kind of important in this conversation is you can understand this stuff um, in your thinking brain in your cognitive brain, but this stuff lives in your, um, in your right brain, which is your subconscious, which is your nervous system, which is your body. So um, you're only going to get so far in understanding it uh, logically. You need to access it 
um, through other other modalities. Now, once you've figured out your attachment style, how can you use this information for future relationships? Um, so each attachment style has very specific uh, characteristics and behaviors that go along with it, right? So for example, with the anxious attacher, you have rumination, you have uh, people pleasing, you have um, roman- like lots of idealizing and romanticizing early on in relationship. Um, so once you know that this is not just like something that is, uh, you know, how you are, right, which is what we all say, well, that's just how I am. I just, you know, this is how, this is how it goes for me. It's not just how you are. It's a result of, you know, this stuff that happened to you. So now you can uh, recognize that getting, you know, as anxious people like to do, they want to jump into a relationship really early on and go straight to commitment. Well, now you know that that's a I'm definitely of not an anxious. I'm definitely not. <laughs> no, um, yeah, that's not me. But you know what? Let's well, continue this conversation in the next segment because we need to take a break. We'll be right back, everybody. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. I'm your host, Laura Bellotta, with my guest, Flora Ong. Getting back to our discussion on attachment styles and how knowing yours can help future relationships. So before the break, I asked Flora, um, you know, once you figure out your attachment style, how can we use this information for future relationships? So we were talking about the anxious, right? So uh, I said I'm definitely not anxious. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, aren't you lucky? You know, sometimes I really wish I was avoidant. But, you know, avoidants have their own set of behaviors that are, um, you know, that are very typical and specific to them. Like an avoidant uh, will date lots of people, never get very deep with them, and then idealize um someone or some like version of relationship that doesn't really exist. Right. And it's a coping mechanism. It's a way to protect themselves from getting hurt. So, you know, that they don't have to engage in these relationships that they're, they kind of are having. Right. Um, And so avoidance tend to, you know, pull away. They tend to get, uh, they tend to shut down um, their conflict avoidant quite usually. Um, they don't, you know, they don't have lots of deep relationships. They may have a lot of friendships and a lot of relationships, but none that are very deep and people don't tend to know them, um, very well. So again, if you know this kind of thing about yourself and now, you know, you're avoidant, now, you know, the places where you need to work because, what happens with avoidance is a lot of them come to me and say, you know, I'm 45 years old and I've never had a long-term relationship. Mm-hmm. I dated um, an avoidant. Well, I, so avoidant basically is an emotionally unavailable person. Essentially, yeah. Essentially, yeah. I remember uh, clearly um, dating this type of person and not knowing what was going on. And I kept thinking it was me. Like, why is this person giving me breadcrumbs? They're in, they're out, they're in, they're out. They start getting close and then they disappear again. And then, exactly. You know, it's like this 
ongoing vicious cycle, but it's like I was so attracted to this person. So I kept giving them, you know, chances where I knew better. Uh-huh. Right? But I thought, yeah. ah, you know what? And I tried to uncover what was going on. Finally, you know, I figured it out. And then, you know, as they started talking and, and letting me know that, hey, I really want to be in this relationship. I want a relationship so badly, but I'm just so afraid. I don't want to be that lonely old guy over there, you know, sitting across the bar eating by himself, but I don't know what to do about it. And I'm so afraid. And I would throw references at him and like, go get some help for it. But, you know, I, what I learned was you can't fix or help anybody. They need to want to fix themselves. You can't do that's that. That's exactly right. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's the biggest thing about it is it's amazing to understand this stuff, right? So you can work on yourself and it's amazing to be able to recognize these attachment styles in other people and understand what's driving them. Um, but it, it takes away from the, uh, you know, for me at least, it takes away from the oh, well, he's just a jerk kind of thing because he's not calling me. You know, he's not calling because he's going through his own emotional upheaval that, you know, you don't even have any access to. Right. And there, I think now there are so many people like that out there that we are unaware of. Um, And maybe if we can uncover some of the other you know, signs that you may be dating an emotionally unavailable person, just because I have a lot of experience with that, is, you know, they avoid conversations that go deeper, or they feel overwhelmed or smothered by emotional intimacy, or they they definitely avoid the label, you know, um, they seem to want perfection. There's always this fear of missing out. I remember this person always telling me, like, I have a fear of missing mm-hmm. out. And I'm like, I don't get it. Like, what are you missing out on? <laughs> right? Or they go from hot to cold. They're in, and then all of a sudden you feel like you're on top of the world, and then all of a sudden they're gone again, and then you feel so deflated yeah. and depressed. And, um, yeah. and And they are unclear about what they want from you. And then they don't communicate consistently. So these are the signs that you may be dating somebody who is emotionally unavailable. Yeah, that's, uh, you hit the nail on the head. Um, now, I know that earlier we discussed the avoidant, or not the avoidant, the anxious attachment style. Is, are there any other signs um, that we should be looking out for if, you know, if we feel that we may be in a relationship with someone who has an, an anxious attachment style? Um, yeah, I mean, they typically, they tend to want to be close. They tend to want to spend a lot of time together. More than likely, their um, love language is physical touch and quality That's everybody. Time, right? I don't know any man, Lauren, do you know any man whose who's, uh, love language is not physical touch? I do, I do. I know some men who's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I know one, and we were dating, and we're not dating anymore. <laughs> <laughs> because mine is definitely that. I, I need to touch. Um, but uh, but yeah, and they'll want they'll want to be very close. They will want to the you know they'll want to be texting all the time. They will get upset or nervous or awkward maybe when they haven't heard from you for a while. Um, and uh, they you know just like from a friend perspective, I know that you know uh, you know that that you have that friend that is constantly talking about um, the person that they just met as though this is like the love of their lives. Oh, right. Two dates or something like that, right? 
yeah. that person is anxiously attached for sure. <laughs> like I finally met the one. Oh my goodness, this is the one. Meanwhile, they've been on one date. Right, and then three weeks later, they don't. You know, they're you're like, where's that guy? They're like, I don't know. <laughs> He's gone now. <laughs> I guess he wasn't the one. <laughs> Right. Or they pushed him or they pushed him away with their, you know, their extra their extraness, if you will. You know, they kind of come they can come on very strong if um if it's not what you know, if they're not aware. <laughs> um, great conversation, Flora. More on attachment styles and how they affect your relationships when we come back. Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And we're back. This is the Dating and Relationship Show. You're listening to Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It's Sunday night. I'm Laura Bellotta, your host with my special guest, Flora Ong. Let's get back to our chat on attachment styles and relationships. Flora, I heard about this thing called the anxious avoidant loop. Can you tell me a little bit more about what that is? So um, that is one of my favorite topics because it's like every relationship I was in until I <laughs> understood attachment style. Okay. Um, but it really, <laughs> it really goes back to the toxic relationships that you were uh, asking about earlier and why we get involved in them and why we stay in them. Uh, what happens is that the you have the anxious person, right, who only wants to be, um, you know, stay in touch, be physically around their person, be, you know, as involved as possible with somebody. And then you have the avoidant who needs space, who doesn't want to get close, who is the complete opposite, right? They're like on the same line, but complete opposite ends of the same line, Um and uh, the anxious person, because they're, when they were raised, right, that love that we talked about, uh, not that love, that social, uh, sorry, that emotional attunement was inconsistent. Mm -hmm. They are super, as adults, attracted uh, to the avoidant type who comes in and it, like you kind of said it earlier, right? Who comes in, he's amazing for a minute, and then when, you know, and then he'll pull away. And then he'll come in and then he'll pull away, right? So the avoidant person, even though they hate that because it makes them crazy, they're, they're also used to it from childhood, right? Like when I said this stuff is in your body, in their body, they're used to this patterning of love. This is how they understand love. It's there, then it's gone. It's there, then it's gone. So they fall really hard for the avoidant. Now, the avoidant who has no access to their emotional like centers, essentially, admires and really, uh, you know, kind of really can fall in love with an anxious person who's all like love and just wants to give and, you know, um, just wants to be involved. But they oh, fool me. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry, I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> but they, the avoidant also can't handle it, right? Because naturally they need space to kind of come back to their own like level of homeostasis. So when the anxious person like, you know, needs, needs, wants, wants, they like run, you know, they pull away and they run the other way, but then they're like attracted to it. So they come back to it. 
So you get the this anxious avoidant loop is essentially like responsible for most toxic relationships uh, that you've heard of or that maybe you've had yourself where you have two people that have really different needs and really different coping mechanisms uh, that fall in love but can't seem to make it work because of that. Okay, so what then do you think are some of the things that we can do to break this cycle and to try to make different choices or maybe try dating a different kind of person? Everybody is better off with somebody secure, right? Because the secure person does not have heightened emotions when it comes to a conflict and they don't have these core wounds of rejection, of abandonment, right? So um, for the for the anxious person, they're like, oh, you need me to call you more? Sure, no problem. I'm, you know, I don't have a problem with that. I, I'm comfortable calling you more. I can call you more. For the, if they're dating an avoidant person, they're like, oh, you need some space. That's cool. I'm okay, you know, with myself. So if you need space, that's fine. I'll give you some more space. Um, so the best thing that most of us could do is date a secure person. And that's also sometimes unrealistic in life. Um, you can also, again, become aware of your attachment style, become aware of what behaviors um, and characteristics are associated with your attachment style and manage those behaviors, which isn't always so easy because, again, it's such an inherent um, need uh, that it kind of, it, it can be a hard habit to break, if you will. Okay. Hmm. More reason to get a hold of you, right, Flora? <laughs> yes, exactly. Flora, I also see a lot of people who struggle with meeting new people, uh, with opening up and being vulnerable, which often leads uh, to these people losing interest over time. How can we learn to be more vulnerable? Um, so being vulnerable tends to be an issue more so for the avoidant style. And so with the um, avoidance you've got to be kind of careful because, you know, if you try to get an avoidant person to be vulnerable, like, you know, straight off the bat or super vulnerable or tell you deep things, it's not going to work, right? An avoidant person has to take baby steps um, in being vulnerable. And that means like baby steps with being friendly or telling something to somebody that is um, that they trust and that they're comfortable with. Um, and it's opening up to people that they feel that they can really be comfortable with even before opening up in a relationship. So, um, you know, they have a lot of work to do in in getting intimate. Um, and it starts small. It's all about baby steps specifically for the avoidant type because if you if you shock their system, they'll revert further back. Amazing, Flora. Well, I know that you help people with or break the cycle or break out of their attachment style. Um, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, I'm at www.redo.love. That's R-E-D-O dot love. Um, and I'm at redo.love on Instagram and Flora Ong on Clubhouse. 
And you can find me on Instagram, official Laura Bellotta, on Clubhouse, Laura Bellotta, and you can check out the, my website, singleinthecity.ca. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in for another episode of the Dating and Relationship Show. We'll see you next week. Ciao.